0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 188, Your Parents Lied to You. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And And have have harmony harmony in the home. This week I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm replaying an old episode because it is one of the most talked about episodes, highly requested, most emailed about episode called Your Parents Lie to You. I could do it again, but I think I hit all the points and some people missed it. And it gives people a lot of freedom knowing that our parents projected onto us how they felt about themselves versus our parents projecting onto us how we were as humans. Because a lot of times, a lot of the clients that I work with When I talk about worthiness and knowing your worth and knowing your value, a lot of times they'll tell me, well, how can I know that if my parents hated me and they still hate me, or my parents told me this, or my parents told me this, or my dad's not in my life, or my mom rejected me, or I'm adopted, or I was left to live with my aunt and uncle because my parents chose drugs or alcohol. And so this episode really frees people to know your value and your worthiness and it has nothing to do with your parents, which is true freedom. And then you're not so needy and graspy looking for love in all the wrong places through your relationship, through your kids, through your work, through your income, through your house, through your body weight, through how many friends you have on Facebook, through how many barbecues you get invited to on 4th of July. Then none of that will matter because you'll know that your worthiness, and your value is the same as all the humans. It's not something with a dimmer switch. So let me know what you think. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Ooh, that's a tricky title. You're probably going, what is that all about? So every month I run the Parenting camp. And if you're not in there, you have got to be in there. It's so much fun. And we're learning from each other so much. I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. So just shoot me a message and I will send you the link to the group. Because so many ideas come from there. So many ahas. And then seeing other people get their clicks, help other people get the clicks, So it's very contagious energy in there. And so in that group, every single month for the last seven years, and also on Facebook, I will ask, tell me three to five adjectives to describe your childhood. And I really appreciate all of your vulnerability because I know it's hard to put out there for everybody to see, and maybe even other family members reading about your childhood that might know your parents. And I try to be super vulnerable on Facebook and Instagram and on social media just so I want to, like, drop my walls so you'll drop your walls. And did you see the story last week about Matt Strange? I mean, I literally don't think I have any more secrets now. (laughs) I went to high school with a guy named Matt Strange, and my maiden name is Stout. So Stout and Strange sat next to each other in all our classes in high school because everybody sat ABC order. Well, he was, like, wicked smart. He was, like, one of those smarty-smarty pants. And I was like normal smart, not like Mensa smart, but like I sat with the S's in graduation and the only time we didn't sit together was a graduation because he was like front row because he was so smart. He had like 17 robes on with all the honors he had. I had like my one robe and my only necklace on that I owned, but he had like robes upon robes and then he had, he had all the ribbons around him and I'm like, dang, hey, Matt. So anyway, nicest guy ever. Strange last name. Literally, his last name was strange. But I got to know him over the years because we sat next to each other all the time. So we go to college. He probably went to like Harvard and Yale and like double majored and triple majored and stuff. And I went to UCF and played soccer and majored in counseling and elementary education. And we just went our separate ways. And this is before Facebook. I wasn't even on Facebook. So there's no like keeping up with each other. So after I graduated from UCF in around 96, I moved to Naples. And Naples is on the west coast of Florida. And where I went to high school is on the East coast of Florida. So that doesn't really matter, but it's all in the same vicinity, so to speak. So around 2006, 2007, when David and I were in the crux of our infertility years, and we cannot figure out why we can't get pregnant. So we figured out it's not David's issue. It's something wrong with Kelly. Oh, that was really fun for four to five years to feel like what all the doctors were going, what's wrong with Kelly? What's wrong with Kelly? And my file was literally, it was so big that it wouldn't even fit in a manila folder. I think my file ended up being like four manila folders and they were jam packed. And so years of testing, blood tests and surgeries and HSGs and laparoscopic surgeries, and it was a situation. So one of the procedures I had was an HSG, which is pretty much they shoot red dye through your fallopian tubes to figure out if there's any blockages in the fallopian tubes and maybe that's causing the problem. Because again, What's wrong with Kelly? It was like a science experiment for four or five years of just like, let's figure out what's wrong with her. And then I get all these tests back and it would say abnormal, abnormal, abnormal. I'm like, what? So anyway, I go to get the HSG done. They put a clamp on your cervix. Okay, that hurt a lot. And then they somehow attach tubes to your flu. I don't even know how it's happening, but I'm laying on the table. I'm pretty much buck naked. I got probably some earrings on. David's behind the glass with his little magnetic jacket on because I'm going to they shoot the fluopian, the red dye through your tubes and then they take it they kind of like take a scan to see what happens because they can see that it's a contrast dye. That's the official word. I felt like an Easter egg. So I'm in the stirrups. I'm all ready to go and they have to have the radiologist come in to shoot the dye and then read the scan. And in walks Matt Strange. Did I mention that I was three hours away from my high school. Did I mention that I was pretty much buck naked? I had like a piece of tissue paper over me protecting my bubbies. And I'm in stirrups, and in he walks. And he's like, Kelly? And I'm like, Matt? He's like, what are you doing in Naples? I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing in Naples, dude? Don't ask me. What are you doing? He's like, well, I'm okay with this if you're okay with this. I'm like, I don't have much choice here, buddy. So I look over at David, and I'm like, are you okay with this? I'm okay with it. He's like, okay. So so I'm like literally blushing right now as I'm telling this story. The reason why I'm telling you all this is because I shared that story last week on social media because we're doing, you know, everyone's sharing their high school graduation picture in honor of all the people who can't graduate this year because of Corona. And if you're listening to this like three years from now, you're probably like, what are you talking about? Well, The coronavirus, you probably know all about it. You're probably three years younger than you are now. And so we're just doing it in a way of honoring. Well, I had a girlfriend snap a picture of the yearbook. And when she sent me the picture of the yearbook, she sent me pictures of me with Matt Strange, like our side by side. She just didn't crop it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to share that story. So I literally don't think I have a secret left. And so I try to be super vulnerable. And so I just want to say thank you to you for being so vulnerable to telling me about your childhood and telling me what you loved and what you didn't like. So I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. And what I want you to do is know that however your parents thought about you was not fact. Now you're seven, you're 17, you're two, you're four, you're all those different ages and you have nothing to compare it against. Remember, everything parents tell a child they believe, then they become. We have to know this. This is really good information to have so we can be super conscientious about the way we're talking to our kids. Because what we think about them, they become. What we tell them, they believe. Now, remember, I said you have 60,000 thoughts, 80% of those default to the negative. And now, as a grown up, 95% of those thoughts. unconscious thinking, which means they've been planted there by someone else. So we couldn't do anything about the messages told to us as we were growing up, but, 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 like Grady always says, everything's in threes. He's like, I really want to go walk Maggie, but, 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 or he'll say, "Uh, I need a peanut butter sandwich and, 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 and. So we couldn't do anything about the messages you were told when you were growing up, but, 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 you can do something about the messages that you're sending out today to your children. Because what are we doing? We're writing on their unconscious thoughts. We're writing, we're putting the programming in there. And so since I've been in quarantine, I've been watching a lot of Netflix on earbuds while they've been working. And I am obsessed with documentaries. I don't think you understand when I become obsessed with something, I'm like a dog in heat. I'm like a dog on a bone. I can't get enough of it. It's like the one of the reasons why I never did drugs when I was in high school, because I was so afraid if I took like one hit of anything, I'd be homeless on the street. Because my addictive personality is so severe that I get obsessed with documentaries and I get obsessed with studying humans. They're like zoo animals to me. And so on documentaries, I'm just fascinated with everything that I'm learning and everything that I'm seeing. And I love true crime. And just watching documentaries about how both sides believe so strongly in the person that they're defending or the person that they're prosecuting, or they feel so strongly in a mission that nothing could ever change their mind, no matter what. And then the DNA and evidence comes back and clearly states that that person couldn't have done what they did, and it just rocks their whole world because they believed it without even flinching they believed it like the sky is blue so i've been i watched a documentary on scientology and the documentary dude who's running the thing he keeps he keeps looking at people who have quote unquote gotten out of it and he's like you're a smart fellow you seem like you have your wits about you what is it that made you stay in these abusive situations or i'll watch the true crimes where the person clearly did not do the crime, but they confessed the crime. There's so much evidence to false confessions. And both parties have said they just beat you down where you actually believe that it's true, that they make you believe that you killed that person and then you say the thing just to get relief. Or the Scientologists will say you're so indoctrinated and you're so surrounded by it and it's done with such force that they literally make you believe it so strongly that it's like saying the sky is blue. It becomes part of your identity. And so to question that or to challenge that is super scary and you'll threaten everything if you leave Scientology. It's almost like if someone came to me now and I know my name's Kelly after 45 years and they said, you know what, your name's not Kelly. Your name is really Linda. We're gonna start calling you Linda. I asked the other day on social media about, if my name wasn't what my name was, what would I look like? What do, what do I look like? And I got so many Michelles and so many Heathers. I was like, what are you talking about? It was so fascinating to me to see all these different names that I could have been and other people see me as. I'm like, no, I'm Kelly. I'm really Kelly. It was fascinating to me. So I asked my family, I'm like, what do you think about this name? I'm like, yeah, I could see that. I'm like, you could? Oh my goodness. And so we look at Scientology, which is so much like, whoa, I can't believe that. But like, think about what we've told our kids to believe. Easter just passed and Grady's nine and a half and there was Easter eggs all over our yard and he's nine and a half and third grade seems pretty with it, but he's picking up those eggs like there's no tomorrow. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all this candy the Easter bunny left us. And there's Easter Bunny footprints some year. And I mean, they're hook, line, and sinker. And I feel kind of bad. I just had to have the S-A-N-T-A talk with Lily this last Christmas. And it was sad. I was like, I'm sorry, girl. And she's like, I didn't even question it. I didn't even question that someone was breaking into our house, somehow shutting off the alarm, eating all our cookies, and giving our carrots to the reindeer, and then leaving all these presents underneath the tree. She goes, I just couldn't figure out why, when we were in Cuba on the mission trip, why Santa didn't bring them any presents. They're such nice kids. That was really confusing to me that she said, that's the only time I really questioned it. And I told her when she was 11, what is going on? But this is really powerful to know. So the reason why I say that your parents lied to you is because when you were little, what they told you about you You took as fact, but what they really thought about you was more what they thought about themselves. Projection is everything. So some of the adjectives that really just kind of broke my heart, because I just imagine my kids or your kids living in this environment of abusive, lonely, stressful, unhappy. Neighborhood kids were my family. Strict. Sheltered. Poor. Strict. Super sneaky. Traumatic. Painful. Lonely. Bored. Parents were standoffish. Too traumatic to remember I've blocked 90% of it out. Strict. Stubborn. Disciplined. I felt like the black sheep of the family. I was an outcast. So I just want to reassure you If those were adjectives said about your childhood and you felt like you were unloved because you were unlovable, that is where the lie is. The lie is if there was a lot of neglect or a lot of unloving behaviors towards you, it wasn't a reflection of your value and your worth, it was a reflection of their value and their worth about how they felt about themselves. But it doesn't take away from their value or worth. Their value and worthiness was given to them the day they were born. Then they were fed messages that they were unloved. So they couldn't even give you the trait that you so desperately needed, even if they wanted to. It's kind of like this. You know how I love analogies. It's kind of like when I grew up, I was never taught Spanish. I would have loved to know Spanish. I can go to class now and I can learn Spanish and teach it to my kids. But I never did. The reason why my parents never taught me the second language of Spanish is because they didn't know the language. So it's not like they were sitting there going, yo hablo espanol, nanny nanny boo boo, we're not going to teach it to you, Kelly. They couldn't teach it to me because they didn't know it themselves. So I took classes. I know un poquito but I don't know it fluently. The only way I would have known it fluently and the only way that you have taught your children a second language fluently is if it's spoken in the home on the regular basis, or if a nanny speaks it regularly, or if they go to classes regularly and then they're practicing and then they're using it. So the same thing goes with learning a second language as it does for emotional literacy. Your parents didn't give you emotional literacy skills because they were never given emotional literacy skills. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean that they messed up. It means they did the very best job that they could with the language that they had. They couldn't teach you something that they didn't know themselves. So as an adult, you get empowered to teach emotional literacy to your kids. It's kind of like teaching them Spanish. Just because you were never taught it doesn't mean that you can't teach it now, that you can't learn it. By listening to this podcast, reading the books I suggest, modeling and embodying it for them so they just absorb it like they would a second language, that they don't know any different. Kind of like they don't question the Easter bunny or Santa or mensch on the bench. They don't question any of it because they think everything that we say is factual. They don't even think to question it until they're in middle and high school. And then they have all these limiting beliefs about themselves because it's the way you're feeling about yourself. So Lily goes to a school and Grady goes to school, and I'm sure your kids go to a school or they went to a school. And it was always a, they're very, all schools, I think for the most part that I've heard of are very anti-bullying. Lily has written all over her school, see something, say something. And if you're being treated unkindly or someone saying negative words to you, you have to report it. You're encouraged to report it. You can do it anonymously. They have numbers they can call. They have tip lines. They can make reports. And I love that about schools. I love how they protect the child from all of those words. Now, I want you to hang those same signs in your house about the way you talk about yourself. If you see something, you say something. If someone's treating you unkindly, you have to report it. Now, we know how the brain works. The brain likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. We have 60,000 thoughts a day. 80% of those thoughts will be negative without mind management. So guess what? Just like they have the anti-bullying campaign at schools, you have to create an anti bullying campaign within the relationship with yourself. If you see something, you say something. It's almost like a bouncer at a bar. Nobody gets in unless they're 21. So, your thoughts, nothing gets through your bar unless it's filled with loving, kindness, abundance, caring energy. Just like you would talk to your sister, your best friend, your neighbor. Your spouse, those words that you choose to say to yourself are the words that you're going to see in your children. Your parents' value and worthiness was given to them the day they were born. Then they were fed messages about their worthiness and their value that they took as fact. They became those adjectives and then they projected them onto you. It doesn't mean they messed up. It just means to question all of it. It just means to know that your worthiness and your value came way before your parents. Because you came from source. You came from God. You came from the universe. You came from your creator. You were already connected to that magical source, that magical, endless worthiness that was given to you the day you were born. And you gave that power away to grownups, and then you took what they said was as fact. But you don't look at a baby in the hospital and say, oh, that child is so stressful. That baby is so unlovable. That baby is the black sheep. That baby is the outcast. If you were told that you were unlovable or you felt unlovable growing up, it's because your parents weren't able to love themselves. When they talked to themselves, they were the bully. They talked to themselves. So that's why I want to really get this in that they didn't do anything wrong. And then you can have love and compassion for what they were saying to themselves because you know what they were saying to themselves by listening to what they were saying to you. And so if you came from fun, engaging, happy, loving, caring parents with filled with lots of energy and innocence and magic and lots of comfort and security, that is a reflection of how they felt about themselves projected onto you. The child that came from an abusive home versus the child that came from a carefree and loving home, those two children have the same level of worthiness and value. Because it was given to you when you were born. What happens sometimes is we get these messages when we're younger, and then we bring it into our adult relationships, and we become super big people pleasers. Because we give that responsibility to other people outside of us to make us feel worthy and whole. We give it to our spouse. We give it to our kids. We give it to our parents. We give it to our brothers and sisters. We give this baton of responsibility that they cannot fill And so it might feel like it's filled up a little bit, but then there's so many holes in the bucket because then we're always relying on someone else to make us feel worthy and whole when we already are worthy and whole. Whether you came from an abusive family or you came from a loving family, your worthiness and your value was not defined by them. It was already given to you at birth. And the way that your parents spoke to you and thought about you was a reflection of how they thought about themselves, and spoke to themselves. This is really good to know because then you can see everyone around you as equal and not that there's a less than or a better than anywhere. And so the messages that you're feeding into your kids, you get to make that choice. So if you came from unloving and you came from abuse and on a lot of unhappiness, That just means you were never taught the language of Spanish. And now you need to teach the kids Spanish. And you're very able to do that because part of emotional adulthood is being able to give them what you never had by learning it first. And usually the things that bother us the most about our children are usually the parts about ourselves that bother us. So when we fix that bothersome trait within ourselves, then it doesn't bother us the next time we see it in our children. Because that's why I'm always helping the mom feel good about the mom, feeling comfortable in her own skin, working on how she's talking to herself. How is she meditating? Is she journaling? Is she taking time to exercise? Is she practicing self-care? Is her house the way she wants it, the level of organization that she wants it? Because if you weren't given confidence as a child because your parents didn't feel confident, you can still learn it because the number one way to learn confidence is to make a promise to yourself and then keep that promise because that creates confidence. That creates trust within yourself. And then you project that confidence and trust onto your children. And you see that in them because the way that a parent thinks about themselves is what they're going to project and see in their child. So the way that you think about yourself and the way you treat yourself and the way you talk to yourself is the way that you're going to project onto your kids. So if you're being a bouncer at your brain of your thoughts, then you'll have mind management when you project onto your kids and see that in them. So watch how you talk to your kids. Watch how you think about your kids. Watch how you treat your kids because that is 150% the way that you talk to yourself, the way you think about yourself and the way you treat yourself. This is super empowering because when you clean up how you think about yourself and how you talk about yourself and how you treat yourself, then it is happening automatically that the way that you talk to your kids, the way you think about your kids and the way you treat your kids is in direct alignment. And then you become the mom that you want to become I was so hard on myself for so many years and I wasn't the mom I wanted to be because I was so hard on them. And once I started talking to myself a little nicer and thinking about myself with a little bit more grace and compassion and treating myself with love and having discipline and practicing self-care, then I was able to give that gift to my kids because I learned the language of Spanish. So I was able to teach it to my kids because so many parents are spending their time and their precious energy trying to change their kids but when we just see them as a giant mirror then it becomes super empowering i remember doing this work going eureka if i'm the problem then that means i'm the solution and not problem like something's wrong with me like i'm abnormal like all those infertility years but problem as far as cleaning up the relationship with myself helped me clean up my relationship with my kids it was in direct correlation The two were a giant mirror to me. And I hit myself over the head and had my V8 moment over and over and over and over because I saw myself as a child of God and not a child of Mary and Lenny because they had very positive thoughts about me because they had very positive thoughts about themselves. So what I did and how it jacked me up is I went into adulthood going, well, I have to have everybody have positive thoughts about me just like my parents had positive thoughts about me. Because I thought my worthiness and my value came from them. And so I wanted everybody else to reassure me and affirm me and affirm me over and over and over. And I gave that baton of responsibility to my kids and to David and to people at work. And they will always drop the baton, not because they don't want to, but because that's not their job. I'm so thankful my parents gave me that gift. But I can't go in an adulthood expecting other people to give me that gift over and over and over. Because that's simply not their job to hand me the mind baton of worthiness and value. That was given to me the day I was born. And so my parents' opinions of me was their opinions of themselves, which was fabulous that it was an alignment, but I took it as fact. And then I realized like, oh, those are two people's opinions of me. Two people in the world. And it was projection of how they felt about themselves not written in stone anywhere. And I just want to reassure you and everybody who's listening that you are not broken. You might have a broken heart and broken expectations of how it should have been, but this is reassurance to know that your parents aren't broken either. They might have had a broken heart or broken expectations, and then they just passed it along like a baton in a race. And that's how pain works. It's like a hot potato that no one wants to hold, and hurting people hurt others. Healed people heal people. So we get to choose. We didn't get to choose the first parent-child relationship. We didn't have a say in that. But for round two in this parent-child relationship, we get to choose how we want to show up and not pass along that baton of pain, of broken hearts, and broken expectations. And we come into the relationship W-H-O-L-E, so then they can be W-H-O-L-E too. So when I say your parents lied to you, it was because their parents lied to them. Value and worthiness is never something you can find outside of yourself. It's not something you were given to by your parents or by your teachers or by your coaches. It is something that's given to you when you were born. So once you know that your worthiness and your value is not put on a dimmer switch, then your life becomes super fun. Because then you're not expecting other people to fill up your cup and giving them that baton out. You're like, oh, I'm going to give that baton to myself. Sure, I want other people to like me, but I don't need people to like me. There's a much bigger difference. When you are walking around and you're needy because you need them to feel a certain way and show that over and over. Some people just can't give it to you, not because they don't want to, but because it was never given to them. So it's like someone who's in a wheelchair and asking them to stand up. They simply can't do it. And that's okay. They were never taught the language and they're not learning it now. And that's okay. It doesn't make them less valuable and less worthy. It just means that they were never given to it. They were never given it. So they can't give it away. You can only teach what you know. If they don't know it, they can't teach it. So I just want to empower you to know that you can learn these skills now so you can give it to your kids and then they're going to give it to their kids and you leave this legacy of emotional literacy that passes on for generations because all they know is all they learn and all they absorb and all they see. And that's really good news because we're writing on their unconscious brain every single day. So I want them to know that their worthiness and value does not come from me. It doesn't come from daddy. It doesn't come from their grades. It doesn't come from their sports. It doesn't come from where they go to school or if they don't go to school, it's all fully illuminated. There is no dimmer switch in this house. No matter what they do, their worthiness, and their value cannot be touched. It is untouchable. It was given to them by God when they were born on 4408 and 101010. And there's nothing we can do about it. So the only thing I can do about it is make sure that the way that I'm talking to myself, the way I'm thinking about myself and the way I'm treating myself is clean. So then I know that the way that I'm talking about them and thinking about them and treating them is clean. And that, my friend, makes parenting super fun. All right, I love you. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really wanna fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.